0: As always, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan, also of A to Z Sports. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Here on the Big Orange Podcast, we talk balls, or everything balls, every week. If you want to listen to that on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe there. If you do subscribe, you won't miss our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. Speaking of Mondays, it is one right now. We are recording this show via a live stream on YouTube, so go to the YouTube channel if you want to watch. You can very literally participate in the show by commenting, coming, and hanging out. And uh, obviously, we we like to get as much interaction as we can, so everybody that's watching, we appreciate it. Got a lot of regulars now. It's awesome. Uh, but go and uh, subscribe there, hit the like button, notification bell, blah, 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 blah. At Charlie underscore Burrows, at Zach TNT at Z Sports, ADZ Sports.com uh, for the stuff that we write on the internet, and Facebook.com slash ADZ Sports Nashville for all the stuff that we post there. Oh boy. <laughs> well, Zach, another interesting week in Tennessee sports has passed since we spoke last. Uh, a Tennessee quarterback transferred away. Tennessee basketball lost its damn mind, uh, against Kentucky. We're going to talk about that. And then I think what, uh, I I would put it this way. What, uh, kind of pays the bills around here, recruiting everybody, man, it's when Tennessee is really good at football, people love to hear about recruiting. It's funny how that works. I, I don't know why, but, uh, we are going to talk all about the huge recruiting weekend. Tennessee had junior day. This uh, is what it's called, which is when you're 20, 2024, 2025s are coming in. The younger guys coming in, visiting, hanging out on campus uh, and getting the recruiting pitch from the coaches. And we're going to talk about all of that. But first, Zach, what's up, man?
1: Uh, it's uh. Kind of a kind of an odd time of a uh, of the month here, or the year. You no know, football is officially over for a while. We get to talk talk about the off season stuff and uh, talk about what the twenty twenty three team's going to look like. It, it's kind of kind of a sad feeling to know that we've kind of closed the book on the twenty twenty two team. It's such a fun year, fun team to watch, and all the great storylines that came with this team. One that people will never forget. Uh, there's a little bittersweetness to the season coming to an end. It was uh, great to go out with you know eleven and two record, but just knowing that that's the last time we'll see, you know, that Tennessee team take the field. It's, it's tough to wrap your mind around. It was such a, I mean, that's the season that Tennessee fans have been waiting for for so, so long and thought maybe it would never come again or kind of wondered when it would come again. And it finally came. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely a special team that we'll remember forever.
0: Yeah, it, it is a shame, but this next one should be fun too. Oh, no doubt. We're going to talk about this future team coming up. Uh, I, everybody that's already tuning in i love this we got like a gbo chain going here in the comments got Nuggs, jordan billy matthew danny jordan victor mr jones is back mr jones the eternal optimist he's always so optimistic in the comments thanks to everybody for hanging out i guess i guess i can't talk about this up front victor says what's up charlie stop messing with Kyler kerbison out so yeah, what happened
1: with that? Yeah, bro, you sent some screenshots the other night to, to me and Austin Stanley. What uh yeah, what's the story there?
0: Yeah, so his his po- I don't know if it was him, but it was his podcast account. He does a podcast, sort of like this one. Um,
1: yeah, he's he's been Tyler's in my Twitter mentions from time to time, but it's always been very cordial and, <laughs> and pleasant and you know a good kind of back and forth. Nothing so
0: I, I was planning on going into this later when we talk about basketball, We're gonna talk about football first and basketball. But um, I just tweeted out after that Kentucky game. I was there. I watched the thing with my own two eyes the entire time, saw the atmosphere. Uh, That was one of the worst losses of Barnes' time at Tennessee. And that tweet had, I tweeted that out almost exactly. That tweet had like 400 likes. Like it was a pretty popular, people weren't raking me over the coals for that one. And out of nowhere, so Kyler has that podcast and the podcast account, it wasn't him. Let me specify. I don't know if it was a co-host or if it was him, but the account called me dumb. It said, this is a dumb take, relax. And I was like, no, I'm right. This is one of the worst losses of (laughs) Mark's time here. Uh, And so I don't know. I have no beef with the guy. I have no idea. He didn't like what I said on the Twitter, but uh, that he called me dumb. So I'm not going to just take that (laughs) sitting down, I guess.
1: (laughs) I would bet there's some, some misunderstanding there because, you know, Charlie... Everybody knows you're famous for firing everybody after a bad loss, right? Yep, yep. And I texted you right after the game. I mean, right when it was fresh, less than 10 minutes maybe after the loss. And said, are, are you firing Rick Barnes today? And you said, no, I don't think it was. I don't think Rick coached a bad game. You know, they weren't making shots or whatever. So it wasn't like it can be a bad loss, but not a shot at Rick Barnes at the same time. And I think there was like yeah. some some stuff lost in translation there.
0: So at, the people the people that got at me about that tweet, they were like, this isn't Barnes' fault. And I was like, I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was Barnes' fault. I just said it was one of the worst losses of Barnes' time here, which it was, objectively, 100% that. And that's why I replied to Kyler and I said, no, I'm right, but I appreciate <laughs> your input. That's what I said to him. <laughs> and he didn't reply, so <laughs> I don't know. No. I Hey, go listen to their show. Let's, Nug says in the comments, it's called Believe in Tennessee. I have zero anything for them uh, as far as far as like contempt or anything. Yeah, I don't know. They just called me dumb, so I had to say something to them.
1: Well, yeah, that's how Twitter goes, though. It's so easy to take tone, and and there's only a hundred or so many characters that you can use, and things get misconstrued or misunderstood quite often. So that's uh, just kind of how that app goes.
0: Yeah, and there there's certainly a set of people that are not a fan of me and they they just read that stuff the way that they want to read it and that's it's okay you know is what it is uh but we're going to talk about this recruiting weekend because i was at that game and there was a ton of recruits there many of them four stars five stars it was a loaded weekend in knoxville uh for football recruiting um we're going to get into that and kind of uh i i listened to some interviews with the guys, they did. They've started doing like pool interviews with these recruits when they come and visit, which I really like. So, like the two four seven and the VolQuest guys, and whoever else, they like stand and re- and interview these guys as if it's like a post game after a you know after a game. And it's honestly, it's great content because you actually get to like. I, I love that this is becoming a thing. VolQuest posted a bunch of them, and I watched a few, and I I have some thoughts, kind of what it means for Tennessee and what happened this weekend. Uh, But before we get into all of that, I got to tell you, as always, about the amazing sponsor of this show, Superbook Sports. Can you beat Vegas this football season? It's almost over. Wild card weekend was this weekend. That was a hell of a weekend. It was uh, pretty Mm -hmm. fun outside of the fact that the Titans aren't in it and the Titans aren't in it for very stupid reasons. But uh, Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head to head with the best odds makers in Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms. No guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. Download the Superbook Sports app or visit superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 889 9789. That is Superbook Sports. Speaking of odds for a game, Tennessee. Going into that Kentucky game, it was like a double-digit 10, 11, 12-point favorite, depending on where you went. And they just laid the biggest egg of all time. So hopefully you didn't bet on that game. <laughs> anybody that's watching. Um, okay. So this recruiting weekend, this is just a little anecdote. I didn't see anybody post about this, but this was an interesting thing that I saw in going to the Kentucky game. All those recruits obviously were welcomed in and they... they were shown around the football facility and talked to the coaches and did everything that they did, but they also went to the Tennessee Kentucky basketball game. They were treated to that horrific performance. Uh, thank you to the basketball team for that. But uh, something interesting that I saw in the concourse that I, I haven't seen before. And that's not to say that this hasn't happened before, but it's something I've, I haven't seen. They had a giant table set up in the concourse that was five boxes tall 20 boxes wide of Chick-fil-A meals uh, and it had a sign out in front of it that in big letters said football recruiting Um, and they had they had like the staffers there so everybody got Chick-fil-A and it was like I mean what would that make it if it was like four or five by probably 10 or 12 it was a ton of Chick-fil-A and this football recruiting table if that tells you anything about how many recruits were there this weekend and they all got to eat Chick-fil-A at the basketball game They better than I did because I had (laughs) nothing at the basketball game. Um, But uh, so starting there, this was huge because it was the first junior day since that 11 and two season. We've been talking about the 11 and two season already. And, you know, I've wondered how much does that really factor in to these guys into their mind when they come and visit Tennessee, and it seemed like from these the interviews that I saw with these kids and the things that have been written, Tennessee now kind of sits in a different place in the minds of these 2024, 2025 uh, recruits. And that's it. You you look like you're smiling about something, Zach. What I can't
1: think? get past this comment from Nudge about the Chick-fil-A <laughs> Did anybody check those bags for cash? I don't think I, you put that together whenever you were saying that. I'm not kidding,
0: Doug's. When we walked by that and it said football recruiting, that was the first joke that we made. The guys that I was with, we were like, Oh, that's the football recruiting table. We were like, wonder if there's money in there. <laughs> <laughs> and those, but they but see with Hypo, it's fa- it's fancier. It's Chick-fil-A boxes. That's the difference right there it's mcdonald's uh, no, Pru- with, Pru- with Pruitt did guy.
1: use one chick-fil-a badge i think in that uh that report that came out so I, I don't you know we're never gonna we're never gonna look at chick-fil-a in knoxville uh, the same or mcdonald's in knoxville the same way again
0: <laughs> never uh, <laughs> but yeah, with Tram- nil
1: hey put all the money yeah, you want in there
0: tramell tramell makes a good point it's okay to put bread
1: in those boxes now yes. that's
0: very true uh but Something that I noticed from those interviews, so it was some of the guys that were here. Um, it was like Ryan Wingo, Boo Carter. Um, the big one that I watched, that I thought some of the stuff he said was interesting, is was Mike Matthews, who's a five-star wide receiver. I think there were big defensive guys here, uh, two, um, and so I guess Boo Carter. Technically, I think he's being recruited as a safety for Tennessee, although he's also recruited on the offensive side of the ball too, depending on what they choose there. But anywho. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me was that multiple of these guys mentioned the 11 and two season. I don't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Boo Carter specifically brought up the fact that Tennessee beat Alabama. And we talked about earlier in the season after that Alabama game, we were like, this is how you turn this thing around. You win this game. Recruits see this. They see you win on the biggest stage in the biggest game. I mean, it was the second highest rated game of the season. The entire nation saw that game and and a bunch of these guys were there and it changes hearts and minds when that happens like you don't have to sell the vision anymore the can you imagine yourself here you'll be the one to beat Alabama no they already did it and you can come here and just continue that um I think it's huge it it seems like it's it's in these guys minds now
1: yeah it's definitely huge I mean going 11 and 2 just in a vacuum is great for any program, right? I mean, that's a successful season, uh, even if, unless you're Georgia, you know, that might be the only team that, that would look at that type of season and be like, oh, we didn't live up to our expectations. But I think the part of that that really, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit there, you know, Josh Heupel was very upfront last year in 2020 or year before last, I guess now 2021 talking about recruiting these guys and having to sell them on this vision and tell them, you know what they were going to do at Tennessee they didn't have the results to show them at Tennessee they kind of had to put a lot of faith in them well now everything that they've told them during the recruiting process in 2021 leading into 2022 like he delivered on that stuff so when you you know recruit recruiting is all about building trust and relationships And, and that was the the downfall of Butch Jones he had a lot of success early and brought in some really good, nice classes there in 2014 and 2015. And then it started kind of trending the other way because he broke that trust. He he made promises he couldn't keep just to land recruits. And and that's, you know, that's just an example of Tennessee. That happens all across college football at at various programs at various times. Heupel, you know, was very confident and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And he was that way with his team as well. You know, when he made those comments about "We, we haven't put a limit on what we can accomplish. And he did the same thing. Uh, talking to these prospects and then he went out and showed them that he was going to do it so I think when you hear that from a coach and then you see it in action it's not just that Tennessee went 11-2 and it's that hype will on what he's going to do so no we can we can trust this guy we can trust his vision we can trust that he knows how to build a program that he knows what he's doing that he's going to do what he says and I think that right there is just just as huge as the 11-2 and season the fact that you know he has something that he can show them tangible evidence of hey i can turn this you know program that's been the sec it's been down for the last 15 years i can turn it around because he very quickly did quicker than anyone imagined i mean if he would have went nine and four this year we would have been like "Eh, that's it's improvement hey you got the nine and four a year faster than butch jones did or anybody else so you know, he, he's on the right track, but he took it up a notch, you know, going 11-2 and, and and finishing it off the way he did against Clemson, too. I think that was something that really can't be overlooked, the Clemson win, because but Clemson wanted to win that game. They had, like, one opt-out, one guy injured that, that didn't play. Tennessee had a couple of opt-outs, guys that aren't weren't going to be back next year anyway. So it was a pretty good example of what Tennessee's going to be next year, what Clemson's going to be next year. Both the quarterbacks we expect to start for those two programs next year. They went out and beat him by 17 points. So I think that right there, just you know, kind of erases that South Carolina loss in the minds of recruits. Like, yeah, that was just a hiccup. It's bad. It was just a hiccup. Hypel showed that this is the real Tennessee now.
0: Absolutely. Uh, there was a lot in those interviews where guys mentioned in in talking to Hypel. They talked. I, I forget who it was, but one of the guys said. It didn't feel like he was selling me anything. And that's so perfect because obviously that was Butch's MO the entire time was just used car salesman. I mean, that's his whole deal. You said he didn't hold up his end of the bargain and that word sort of got out to recruits. And he he was known as a phony. He was a total phony. And then with recruits now with Hypel, you know, he's letting the work on the field do the talking. And Tennessee hasn't done that in so long. Obviously, Phil was able to do that back in the day, uh, winning national championships and SEC championships. And, you know, they were a borderline powerhouse. And that sort of speaks for itself. And finally, you're getting back to where the play on the field just speaks for itself. And that's so, so powerful with recruits. I mean, when when you're talking about taking a bite out of what Georgia has and like the the Mike Matthews, kid he's a georgia kid and five-star recruit i don't know i had his yeah he let's see yeah he's being recruited by georgia georgia clemson notre dame to get that kid out of the state of georgia or out of the grips of somebody like clemson i guess with clemson tennessee you you did that (laughs) you you beat them down beat them by 17 points and that's great you have that now to kind of hang hang in your hat and that's great but to get them out of georgia it's going to take not only 11 to 2 season i mean realistically to take a real bite out of that you you got to just beat georgia and be the sec champion and be like that's that's where you're at unfortunately that's the league that you play in and that's a competition that you're going up against you don't have the luxury of being like ohio state where the entire league's a joke and so i i think that this is the beginning of that can they capitalize going forward i hope so Josh wrote in the comments. He he's pretty confident. He says Tennessee will go eleven one, uh, lose to Bama, but then get another shot at them in Atlanta. I mean, that will be hell of a season, but that's what you have to do. It's th- it's that. You have to be eleven one. And that's I don't think that's not how that would work. You wouldn't play Georgia again because they're in the East. But
1: I think he's saying you um, would get a you'd lose to Alabama and then get another shot at Alabama. Oh, oh okay. okay. Man, I read that. You I read the, the, yeah, that you lose to Bama, that's you beat Georgia in Knoxville and then that's you right. get to Get the rematch with Bama.
0: Yeah, I read that wrong. That, but that's that's what it would take—is that kind of thing. And so you're. This is a great sign that I, I put it in the the title of this video. But I really think it's true. You, you're seeing that Tennessee, after an 11-2 season, will be recruiting on a different level. They're seen in a different light by recruits now. I think.
1: Yeah, and 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 they're they're taking a sustainable approach. Not not to repeat what I said earlier, but they they were taking this whole. We'll show you. Just trust us. We'll show you. You know, instead of making these bold promises and this and that, we'll show you. And that's going to hold up longer than the whole Butch deal did where he has, you know, a couple of good years. This is something that they can kind of build on. And when you talk about, like, you you just got to go beat Georgia and you just got to do it, kind of makes me think about next season. Everybody's already talking about Tennessee maybe taking a little step back next year before maybe Nico comes as, you know as the starter in 2024. I mean that's kind of the way we all think it'll play out we obviously don't know maybe Nico takes over mid midway through next year I mean who knows but you know it almost feels like we're falling back into that same conversation we had before this season when we were like nine and three like that's pr- you know that's best case scenario it's what a lot of us kind of said and we're putting the limits on the program the fans in a way, where Heupel's not. Like, I guarantee you, Josh Heupel is going into 2023 to play for a national championship. He's going with Joe Milton, the receivers that are coming back, the guys that he's added, the Oregon receiver, some of these defensive guys that they've added. They want to go beat Georgia. They want to get to Atlanta. They want to win a national championship. So, you know, for us to say they're going to take a step back, I think there's some logic in that just because of what they're losing. But it wouldn't surprise me if they do, you know, go 10-2, 11-1 or something next year. It, I mean, this, the schedule oh. sets up pretty well. You got to go beat Florida and Gainesville, which it's going to be a tough environment. That's one – the one – you know, going into last year, we talked about a couple of things Tennessee had to do better this year, and they improved in those areas, running with no tempo when they need to the bleed clock and short yardage situations. They were so much better in those areas this year. Going into next year – They got to be better on the road. That was one thing they struggled with this year, aside from that LSU game, which was almost a Tennessee home game because there was so much orange in Baton Rouge in that stadium that afternoon. But Georgia, Carolina, you saw some real issues there. They got some tough road games next year, too. Obviously, it's the SEC, it's every year, but you got to go to Florida in the swamp. You got to go to Alabama. Those are teams you beat this year. Those games are going to be a little bit tougher. Florida, in theory, should be better. Alabama is going to be better. They have a really good class coming in if they can find a quarterback. We have no idea who who that's going to be for them next year at this point. Um, if they can beat Florida on the road, Alabama game is a toss up. You got Georgia at home, and I really feel like if that Georgia game would have been at home this year, that game probably comes down to the last couple of minutes, and Tennessee's got a chance there. So, it, again, in theory, Georgia should not be as dominant next season because they got to start over at quarterback as well they're losing a lot of talent Jalen Carter Keely Ringo a lot of these guys that we saw dominate all season I mean I think it's there for Tennessee to take they're not going to be the favorites we're not going to go expecting them to you know go into the season expecting 12 and 0 and and be disappointed if they don't get there but I think after going 11 and 2 I think you've got to raise the expectations and say hey 10 wins like that's the that's the goal every season from here on out and, and really that's the minimum like that's the floor of what you want to be
0: yeah the the worst case in in you know <laughs> the worst case in the best case for where Tennessee is now uh is your only losses are to Alabama and Georgia and, and you know those aren't acceptable but they wouldn't be you know out of the realm of possibility crazy yeah
1: well, i've always said when when Tennessee is Back, whatever that is supposed to mean. And I think that you can say that with some actual confidence now, you know, not like we did in, in 2019 when, when Philip Fulmer said it after going eight and five <laughs> in the season in which they lost to Georgia state and, and BYU, which yeah. Tennessee's new linebacker uh, Peely was on the field for that uh, 2019 BYU game. And I went back and watched some highlights of that, just a little quick aside. I went back and was watching some highlights of that game and I completely forgot about the shoe-throwing incident, but it, it wasn't... You remember that when... Yeah. Tano, it wasn't Peely, thank goodness, but uh, it was just <laughs> something random there. I, a moment that I completely, completely forgot about.
0: Yeah, I for, I did totally forget about that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's that's absolutely true. The expectations. It's, it's like Rick Barnes with basketball this season. They're really, really good. And Tennessee fans like the, the excitement isn't over the top because they've been, this is the level they played at for years now. And so once you get to that level, it's that's expect expectation now. And that's where they're going to live going forward. And it's daunting, but also exciting. And uh, you just, you take it to what it is. Um, I like to pop a T and SC. He says, what's up, Charlie? He's a, a legendary caller on Swain show. What's up, man? Glad you're in here with us. We got a ton of comments. Um, yeah, well, and Billy, Billy in the comments says exactly that 10 and two 11 and one is, is now the expectation and it, that is what it is. And that to keep the attention of these recruits going back to that, that is where you have to, uh, where you have to stay. Um, so just another note in terms of something I saw in, in the recruits here before we get out of this conversation that I thought was interesting, Ryan Wingo. Who is a four, five star uh wide receiver in 2024. He specifically mentioned the Bolitnikoff with uh with Jalen Hyatt in, in talking about you know things about Tennessee that he really likes. Those things matter too. Tennessee fans, I know, and I'm one of these people. We've written those things off because screw them. You know, if the, uh, the media that vote on those things—they hate us, and we all know that. But they get noticed when you win that Bolitnikov over Marvin Harrison Jr. And those kids see that—that's big too. So you can't.
1: Yeah, that's why you can you write just the totally Heisman, throw it out. Yeah, you can write the Heisman off, and I—I I get it. Like Peyton was screwed out of it. We all know that. Hendon Hooker should have been on the stage, and there's a lot of notable people that feel the exact same way. A lot of those players on that stage said it. That he should have been there, and I can understand fans being like, "You know what? I'm done with it. I don't care about it," and and that's fine. But it is still very important in recruiting, and that would have helped Tennessee a lot in recruiting to get Hendon Hooker up there. Not that they're going to struggle because he wasn't, but it's just it's just another tool that you have in your belt when it comes to to recruiting these guys and something else you can throw out there. And I think the Oregon wide receiver said the same thing about the Bulitnikov that you know yeah, that was yeah. that was one of his. Goals, uh, in in 2023. I hope it's Square White's goal too, and Ramel Keaton and Brew McCoy and anybody that that's out there. I hope that they have those same goals because that's you know that's you want guys with that type of mentality. But whenever you have somebody like Cedric Tillman or Jalen Hyatt or, or Valis Jones uh, that just had not really done much in the offense, and then Hypel comes in and all of a sudden they're just they're putting up thousand yard seasons. I mean, yeah, recruits are going to notice that. And then when Hyatt wins that bullet in the call – everybody across the nation notices it and you want to be a part of that so yeah Yeah. it's just a combination of everything when it comes to recruiting you know the the on-field results the awards all that stuff
0: and i mean joshua says it's awesome that nico will be leading this team when the expansion to 12 teams happened that was another thing that ryan wingo actually brought up i think he might have been led into it by a reporter's question that was there i think somebody asked him like does nico being here Way into how you view Tennessee, and he was like, Absolutely, you want to have a guy up there that's going to be able to give you the ball. And Nico will obviously be, you assume, will be the guy, uh, when Wingo actually gets there after the 2024 class. So,
1: you know, now the the 12 team playoffs brought up that that really, you know, I mentioned like 10 wins should be like the baseline every single year. I think that that top 12 finishing there that's going to be, yeah, what you're shooting for every single year, and Tennessee you know they finished number 6 this year with two losses. So if if that 10 and 2 kind of holds up, that that goes right along with that. If you go 10 and 2 in the SEC, you should be right there in that conversation every single year. You're going to get the benefit of the doubt because you are Tennessee. And like we've talked about before, the schedule might become more favorable here for Tennessee in the future because really I don't think there's anybody in the SEC that has it harder than than Tennessee, maybe Auburn since they cross over with with Georgia. Uh, but but a lot of teams just get off easy because they don't have to play Alabama and Georgia and Florida every single year and that's you know even Florida I don't know what's going to happen with Billy Napier I mean there's a lot of stuff going on down there with the NIL stuff with, with Jalen Rashada and he, you know he's coming off of a kind of a so-so year Florida fans don't seem overly thrilled with him I'm not ready to write the guy off yet because he was pretty good at Louisiana I think he's a decent coach but i think he's still learning how to navigate the sec but that's still a game that even napier whoever's there that's gonna be a tough game it's a rivalry game it means a lot to a lot of people and that's gonna be a tough game every single year no matter how bad or good florida is for sure um
0: i did see it's another one before we get out of this conversation i like this from uh jason kimberly snyder i assume that's like a him and his wife maybe uh Said how much does it matter in recruiting that our coaches can develop players in every position to play in the NFL? I asked that when Hypel hires a tight ends coach, this is a good transition into because the next thing we were going to talk about is a tight ends coach and the or lack thereof for Tennessee at the moment. Um, I mean, I think that's massive also in terms of getting recruits. And you you look at not only the Bolitnikov award with Jalen, uh, but the fact that he's now, you know, a, a, a draft pick. Brew McCoy will be a draft pick, Vailus Jones was a draft pick. Cedric Tillman's going to be a draft pick. Cedric Tillman, Tillman didn't even play this season. He's going to be a draft pick. Um, or he did play, but not that much. And that that's massive. But you have to get that going at other positions too, not just wide receiver. Yeah, t- Tennessee might be on the verge of becoming sort of wide receiver you again, and that would be great. But football is more than just wide receivers. Um, I think maybe, can we get, uh, what's, the, what's the award for... Cornerbacks, uh, we need somebody to win that one, like Eric Berry did. Um, Thor- the Jim Thorpe, Jim Thorpe yeah. award. Um, we need yeah, somebody, yeah, that would be huge. Somebody back there that would help a lot, I think.
1: If only Alonte, <laughs> if Alonte Taylor would have came back this season, I think he would have been in the running for that because he is he really had a fantastic rookie year with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, what was he a second round pick? I think. Uh, he, he ended up being like a key player for that defense and really, really a standout player. Probably should have been a first-round pick. If if Tennessee would have had him this year, I think a lot of I think a lot of th- I think a Carolina- Maybe plays out a little different because uh, I think that kid was really underappreciated when he was at Tennessee. And part of that's because he spent half his career with Jeremy Pruitt, and he never really progressed uh, in, in his development in those first couple of years with Pruitt and then he kind of took a big step under an offensive-minded head coach with you know being coached by Willie Martinez and Tim Banks, who have been criticized Uh, obviously I think they they deserve a little bit of criticism for some of the past defense but I also think that some of that's been overblown and we we've got into that before but yeah that would that would certainly be huge if you can get a defensive guy to kind of have a, a season like Jalen Hyatt or Hendon Hooker had on that side of the ball, that could really, you know, cause that to, recruiting to take off on on that, which is really what Tennessee needs. If they want to take yeah. the next level, I mean, look, we know their offense works. They can outrun everybody. They can run the ball against almost anybody. We know that works. The offensive line, you know, held up really well this year. Uh, they, they need that on the defensive side to really take that next step.
0: Absolutely. Um, we'll keep tabs on the recruiting, uh, as far as that goes, obviously that's, that's going to be one of the main off season topics, especially now that, uh, after that 11 and two season, it seems like recruiting has taken a little bit of a step up, but sort of on that same note, I think this could affect recruiting. Although you, you have a transfer tight end coming in, uh, and, and, uh, who is the, the tight end from that class? Uh, Davis, Ethan Davis, right? I, th- I think I'm thinking yeah. right there. Um and uh but you still don't have a Titans coach. <laughs> and
1: you got to have because one. Hypo has been busy with bowl prep, transfer portal and this huge recruiting weekend that we were talking about. I mean, yeah. that's kind of taking precedence over all this other. And he looked all the options that were there when we first like we've known since goalish left that this was probably going to be the path that was taken and it turns out joey hosley was named offensive coordinator back in mid-december but we kind of knew hey he's probably gonna be promoted then hypo's gonna go need to get a tight ends coach and we started talking about names you know early on in this process over a month ago all those names are still there still available so hypo hasn't hurt himself by waiting on this
0: yeah i, th- I think the ones that had been tossed around were the the guy from north texas uh luttrell luttrell yeah um who kind of ties back to Hypel And then the was it a guy at UCLA?
1: Yeah. So uh, F- Jeff Ferris. Ferris. He's, no- he's a Knoxville native. Right, right, right. Who yeah. played for Dave Cutcliffe at Duke, was an assistant at Duke under Cutcliffe for many years. And then Cutcliffe re- retired and he immediately went to UCLA with Chip Kelly. So I, I don't know. You know, if it's him wanting to get back to the East Coast and kind of his hometown, I don't know the personal situation or how much there is to that because, really, it's it's been mostly speculation. I mean, there's been names tossed out there. I know some various reporters have kind of tossed names out there and said that they've heard various things. But I still wouldn't be surprised if just something out of left field came up and Hypo hired somebody, you know, from the NFL. Um, I threw out today that maybe if Brandon Staley, who – i completely forgot was a former Tennessee assistant. If he gets fired by the chargers, he's also got a bunch of former Tennessee assistants on his staff. One of them being his tight ends coach, who is fairly young was a GA at Tennessee in 2015, went to Eastern Kentucky where he was under Mark elder, Tennessee's former tight ends coach under Mm. Butch Jones. Uh, Then he went to Iowa. So he's only had like two years of NFL experience. If you get fired, your staff's going to get fired. Maybe he has to go back to college and get a job. If he, you know, hey, that that could be a guy that you could use on the recruiting trail because he's been around the country at various schools. He's been in the NFL, and that always plays well on the trail because you know those, like you said, those guys want to get to the NFL, and he he can be like, hey, I've I've been there. Uh, I know what you need to do to get there. So it, it, I'm not saying he's going to be the guy by any means, but it wouldn't be a shock if you know if something like that ended up being the hire. I certainly look at a guy.
0: Now I'm looking at him. Kevin Codger. Codger. Yeah. Is the Titans coach with the Chargers. And I I think I saw Staley got the, uh, the dreaded vote of confidence from the, after they blew that game sky high last night, Mm -hmm. he he got the vote of confidence from the front office. So he may not be getting fired, but
1: we'll see how that plays out. (laughs) That, that, you know, that happens from time to time. And there seems to be, I don't know that situation that well, I know he's, you know, had winning seasons both of his first two years there. But, you know, even if they do keep him, they might force him to make some staff changes. He's also got a, his running backs coach is a former Tennessee assistant. And, you know, there's always there's been some talk like, hey, maybe Heupel goes and gets a running backs coach that he likes Jerry to Titans. Jerry's coach it ends before, Like, that's an option as well. I don't think that's what will happen, because I don't think he wants to move Jerry Matt from where he's been. We know how – Important continuity is, but with that running backs coach, it's uh Derek Foster, I think is his name. You have it pulled up there by uh, chance. He uh he kind of has some roots though in the same system as Josh Heupel. He coached at Sanford, which is coached by a guy that played quarterback at Valdosta State for Mike Leach and Hal Mummy and went to Kentucky. And so that, that guy has his roots in the air raid system and he worked under him. I know Hyple doesn't run the air raid, but Hypel's roots are also in the Mike Leach system. So there's some there's some crossover there that that could make sense. I, you got to think about that too, because I don't think Hyple's going to go get a guy from like you know Iowa State that's in this kind of old school offense or or whatever that that or Iowa that's in this old school offense that's completely different from what he runs. He's going to get somebody that that has experience with tempo, that kind of has experience with spreading the field out and running this type of offense.
0: It is Derek Foster. They tone on the Chargers official website. They like they have where he went to college in his hometown and that's Yeah, he was a GA it. in twenty
1: in twenty twelve. So it was him okay. him and Brandon Staley, the, the Chargers head coach, were GAs at uh, Tennessee in twenty twelve. And then Derek Ansley, who later came back as Tennessee's yeah. defensive coordinator under Pruitt, he was the safeties coach, I believe, uh in twenty twelve under. Pruitt, and he's now the cornerbacks coach or safeties coach one with the Chargers.
0: i mean those those two specifically in terms of kind of in my mind the type of dude that would fill that role both of those dudes are are right there the guy from north texas even i i'm not totally sure i think we talked about this um maybe a couple weeks ago his history doesn't lie in sec ball and I'm always leery of that because it's all about recruiting. Like it's a tight ends coach. Like Heupel's going to take care of you, even if you're a lame tight ends coach. His offense is just so good. Like it's in terms of this system, you you don't have to be an amazing tight ends coach to make it work in this system, but you do have to be an amazing recruiter to make it work in this.
1: System. Well, then, what about Mr. And Jones' suggestion here, Todd Downing? How would you feel about that? <laughs> since he has these ties to the state of Tennessee. Dang it, Mr. Jones.
0: Uh, yeah, pa- hard pass on Todd there. Um, <laughs> but, but in terms of what I'm thinking, like this, the, the tight ends coach there, Codger, he, he doesn't have an SEC background, but he played at Michigan, and so he knows big-time college football. Um, and We had one year at
1: that,
0: C. That's true. That is true. So he does know that much and would probably know Knoxville a little bit, which is good. Um But in terms of somebody who's going to be young and hungry on the recruiting trail, Mm because it's just such a specific skill set in a way, you have to be that dude who will show, like, think about the function that they serve. A lot of those guys, you have to go to a kid's high school and just show up, track them down, talk to them create a relationship and not be awkward, not be weird, not be yeah. weird. I mean, you put, put them at to, ease. Yeah. There has to be a bit of salesman and there.
1: You have to and, stand out among all the other coaches that are yeah, coming to see them. It's, it it's a the really odd
0: thing. And so, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know if this is Eiffel's criteria. I'm sure it's part of the criteria. I would think I'm, I think he probably is looking for a guy who can be a good tight ends coach, but um, and not just a recruiter, but that's just such a big part of it. And it's a weird thing. And like guys from the NFL, you always wonder like, are they in, in the NFL? Cause they don't want to do any of that. That is a factor, a decent amount of the time where just the recruiting thing is just too much. They don't like it. They don't want to go to a high school, and talk to a high school kid, you know, and that's part of their job. And I, t- Hey, I cannot blame you at all. That's the way the college football goes. So, um, I, I'm very fascinated to see who ends up in this position. The options are interesting. You these are some interesting names that you brought up, Zach, and some, some cool connections with these guys. Who knows exactly where they go? I haven't been able I haven't seen anywhere where anybody has a real feel for this almost at all. Well, it's I like, think
1: it's I think it's because Hypo hasn't really like put much effort, or not I'm gonna say no. put much effort, he just hasn't put his attention on making this higher yet because he's had other stuff that's a little more important. This isn't as time-sensitive. And there's also the chance that he promotes from within, which I know is not a popular answer, but he did it with Kelsey Pope, and that worked out pretty well. I mean, Jalen Hyatt had a tremendous season. And Kelsey Pope, from the the people, uh, you know, I've heard – you've seen the comments from recruits, but I've also heard that he has a reputation in that facility as a tenacious recruiter, a guy that is really – gets after it he's well liked he connects well you know everything that you were saying there basically that you have to do he had those qualities and you got to think that that was a big part of why hypo promoted him not just because he thought he could teach tight ends and not just because or wide receivers and not just because of the continuity but because he believed he could recruit and so far we've seen that he can
0: definitely Uh,
1: jason witten's name has been brought up a ton Um, and Mr. Jones, um, I think we both try to play it at the same (laughs) time. So he, uh, you know, he, his name's been brought up a ton for this because he's a high school coach down in Texas. And he almost became the high school coach at Lipscomb Academy, uh, last month to replace Trent Dilfer, who went to UAB. And as from what I understand, that deal was really close to happening. It was talked about, you know, behind the scenes for several weeks and was very close to happening. I think there were some people that even, you know, a day or two before it, it kind of broke that he wasn't going to be the head coach felt like that, that was really going to happen from what I understand or can gather. It seems like he doesn't want necessarily to move his family from Texas at this time. I don't know if he would reconsider that for a spot on Tennessee staff. And I don't know if that's, you know, I, I don't know if it's the right move or not. Like that's something that Hypo would have to decide through conversations with Jason Witten does he fit with the staff? Is his offensive philosophy the same? Does he buy into what Heupel's doing? Can he sell that? Does he believe in it? Because if you don't, you, you know, you're not really helping the program a lot. And it's always cool to see former Vols on staff, but I don't think that should kind of, like, trump another candidate. It's just my opinion. I think you got to go hire the guy that you think does the best job. Yeah. If that's a former Tennessee player, then great. You know, that, that would that's really cool to see them back. I don't. I don't know that that's the life that Witten necessarily wants to lead as far as the recruiting stuff because yep. family is obviously very important to him. I just, I just don't think that would be a viable option.
0: Here's where that breaks down for me. I love Jason Witten and would love to see him as a coach or a part of Tennessee's staff. This man has made in his NFL career a contract worth $28 million. A contract worth 37 million and a contract worth 30 million. His final year in the league, he made 4.25 million dollars. Jason Witten does not have to do anything. If he treated his money correctly, he doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. That's probably why he's coaching high school ball. And so I look at that, and in terms of my own criteria, what I want to see there. Young, hungry, tenacious. Where would the motivation be for Jason Witten, the man's worth tens of millions of dollars, and it's just—I I don't think that it's a great fit. I mean, Mr. Jones does say it here: he can recruit just with his name. That's probably yeah. true, but at the same time, it's not that simple. Uh, you know, like it—it it is and it isn't.
1: There's a lot of non-glamorous work that goes in with recruiting. A so lot much. of. A lot of texting, a lot of, you know, Twitter DMs, a lot of film that you're breaking down and watching and, and going through. It's not just going into their schools or going into their homes uh, and visiting, but that is obviously a big part of it. And you're, you're on the road, you're in a hotel, you're on planes, like you're away from your family. Like you said, Witten, I feel like he's he's coaching high school football in Texas because he enjoys it. Um, mm-hmm. I think he loves Tennessee, Obviously, it's a big part of who he is. He's come back to Tennessee. He's been to games. Um, I stood beside him. I remember at the Utah State game uh, before the game, you know, and he was just, you know, he, he loves the Vols. Like, it, it is very important to him, and um, I'm sure he would love to have a hand in in, in that, but I don't know if – I just don't think that's the life that he really wants.
0: Yeah, 100%. That That's just when I hear that. It's exciting. Oh man, that would be incredible. And then when you really think it through, it just doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. But hey, if that's what he wants to do, I I would welcome him back. Oh yeah, with, be, with open be arms. A,
1: a great story, and I think he'd do well. But I, I yeah. just don't see it.
0: So that's the basic updates on that tight ends coach hire. We'll talk about it when more roll in. But that's kind of our take on it. And then I have we'll a finish feeling.
1: With- I have a feeling when that hire is made, it's just going to be a report out of nowhere. Like yes some national guys just going to break the news, you know, Pete Dammel from ESPN breaks a lot of that stuff because of his connections with agents. And, uh, I think that'll be how it goes.
0: Yeah, I I do too. It'll just be like a, a random Wednesday and that's going to drop out of the sky. I think, (laughs) um, so we'll talk about it when that happens. Um, final note on football before we move on to that embarrassment that the basketball team left out there on Saturday. Uh, Taven Jackson, your backup quarterback, transfers to Indiana. Not surprising at all. We had speculated that it may be after spring. When you think about it, why even wait around if he already sort of had figured he's not going to be that guy? Uh, and his brother plays basketball in Indiana, so there's a real connection there. And It was sort of the natural landing spot. Um, and so he ends up at Indiana. So your depth at quarterback is Joe Milton. Should be a great starter if he can hone in the the accuracy nico obviously extremely exciting as a five-star and then a whole set of walk-ons navy shuler gaston Moore, um great dudes but maybe not sec starters uh and so does this concern you at all should tennessee go try to get a transfer it's a little late now at least until after spring ball um any urgency yeah. there
1: yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have to go get a quarterback. Uh, you you can't go into the season with two scholarship quarterbacks. You you just can't. We've seen Tennessee get in so many situations before where they got down to their third quarterback. It happened under Pruitt, you know, a decent amount because you know maybe Garantano was banged up or ineffective, and we saw Brian Mauer and Harrison Bailey and J.T. Shroud. It was kind of a revolving door there at times, and we saw it at the end of the Butch Jones era when when Will McBride had to start. Which you know, people found out some. Some people found out he was on the roster. You know that week (laughs) that he had to start. So you know, and one counter argument I've seen to that is, well, if you lose your first two quarterbacks, you're not you're not winning ten games, and that's certainly true. But you know, if if you can go seven and five with your third string quarterback, I mean, that's better than going five and seven. You 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 got to win as many games as possible, no matter the situation. And I know Gaston Moore's been at UCF with Heupel. He knows the offense, but this is a guy that was not even recruited. I mean, rated by the recruiting services. He was a zero star. He was NR, not ranked on every single thing. He was the scout team guy at UCF. We saw, we've seen him briefly in action. I saw him at the UT Martin game and he threw a terrible interception against a not good team, you know, trying to score at the end of that game. And it's just, you know, I don't think he's the guy that's going to get you to seven wins. I just don't. I think he's a good guy to have on the team, but I think you have to go try to find a, like a grad. There's a couple of options out there and I went over them. You know, there's like the guy at Oregon state who entered the portal. He's getting a seventh year of eligibility. He kind of reminds me of the Gardner Minshew situation a couple of years ago where Minshew was going to go to Alabama and be a backup, and then Saban was going to give him a job as a GA because that's what he wanted to do was coach. Ends up going to Washington State, kind of turned his whole career around. You know, that's a, a great story in itself, but this guy kind of has the same mindset at Oregon State. It's Tristan Gabia. He wants to go into coaching, but he wants to spend his last year of eligibility somewhere. Uh, so why not go to Tennessee, be a third string, get some SEC experience, Maybe high gives you a job as a GA. You should be able to make some connections there, and and, and kind of broaden your options there, and not limit it to just kind of the west Co- west coast and northwest. Uh, you got to go find somebody like that. I think somebody that's okay with playing that role as a guy at UAB that is a Maryville native that that's probably not going to be a professional football player. Maybe he would be okay with coming back to Tennessee to serve as a. Uh, but there you go. Uh, you know that that's. Um, it's going to have to be somebody like that. I think his name's Hopkins, Dylan Hopkins, something like that. Uh, it, it's it's got to be that. And that's a really, really hard thing to do, to go in the portal and find somebody that wants to come and be a backup. Yeah. But it's good enough to run the offense and, and move the ball down the field. Like that is a very difficult thing to find. So it'll be challenging. I don't know if Tennessee will be able to do it, but I do think they should try.
0: It, it's a very niche thing because uh, – you're exactly right. You, you just can't go in with a walk on as your third string because they're not going to be Stetson Bennett. I mean, that's such a
1: it's total such a random, Like, yeah. That, and, and Stetson Bennett's story, anyway, like he was a walk on and then he transferred and then he came back to Georgia as. Yeah. Not a walk on, so exactly. the whole walk on story is not exactly 100 accurate because this version is scholarship version sets of up not walk on version. You've been deceived as far as yeah. that goes,
0: um, and so yeah, I mean, you just look at those guys. I mean, I, Lord knows, I would love to have a guy with the last name Schuler who's the quarterback at Tennessee. That would be so cool, given who his dad is and things like that. But you just, they have to be able to play SEC ball, and I just am not sure that you can have confidence that that's where those guys land, um, you know, in terms of their skill set. So yes, that person does exist that you just described. There just aren't that many of them. And how do you get them to come to Tennessee? And I, I mean, I don't think that it's a guarantee that they do that, but I'm completely in agreement. I think they really need to uh, because it's, pretty t- i mean isn't that am i thinking right um the the backup at clemson in this bowl game was essentially that you said he mm-hmm. he, he was like a ga sort of uh well no he, he was, was a, t- a he was a tennessee recruit we talked about him
1: um, yeah hunter hunter johnson is that hunter, hunter johnson that's right yeah he was a five star guy right and then he yeah. left clemson went to northwestern didn't really play Dabo got in a situation where he needed a backup and, you know, a third string guy. I mean, he was the third string. He was behind Clubnick and, and DJ Ugelele or however you say his last name. And, and you know, went and brought him back. And, and fortunately for Dabo, he didn't need him this season. But if Clubnick would have went down in the uh, Orange Bowl, that's who would have played. And Gaston Moore, we later found out, Taven Jackson wasn't ready, would have played for Tennessee. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um- so it, I don't know if they can find somebody like that, but obviously we both think that they should at least try. Um, it just seems, that seems a little scary. If you just, I mean,
1: maybe you go bring Harrison Bailey back.
0: <laughs> you think he's, what's he doing these days? He's at UNLV. I
1: don't think it's, oh, yeah. I, I don't, I remember, I can't remember. I, I don't think it went super well for him out there. I can't remember necessarily. I don't,
0: I, I don't think he UNLV played a lot. Yeah. Um,
1: or does JT Shrout have eligibility left? Yeah, where are those guys? Come he on back. the Colorado State, I think.
0: You just come on back and be the third string. That would be great. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, it's probably a kid that, like, wants to go into coaching or, yeah. so, or something like that. Um, it exists. Just how do you find it and get it here? I'm not sure. But that's, for the most part, just, you know, it wasn't unexpected to see Taven go. Obviously got to talk about it. Uh, and... And we'll see where Heimel goes. Do
1: you think that he saw Nico in those first few practices and was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this now. So I can like, obviously he knew he was going to Indiana the moment he went in the portal. Like that was worked out. All of these high profile transfers don't go into the portal without having a pretty good idea uh, of where they're going. They might go and try to get into a bidding war, war, but for the most part, they know where they're going. I wonder if he saw Nico practice and was just like, yeah, this is I should just go ahead and head on back to Indiana because it, this guy's for real. Is it bad
0: to say this? I really hope that's the case. I think every Tennessee fan does. Yeah. Cause they from from all accounts, seeing this kid throw against Air to practice jumps up at you. Like mm-hmm. it's it is a real sight to behold. Supposedly. I have not gotten a chance to go. And see him in person.
1: Yeah, we might need to go to some spring practices. Maybe. This year. Because,
0: like... I. Oh, I can, yeah, we need to yeah. see him in person. Maybe we, we can use our, our tie-in with 104.5 and maybe get a couple of passes to yeah. spring practice. I will have to see. But um it, just supposedly from everybody that I have heard talk about it. it, obviously I've watched him on film, but I haven't seen him in a Tennessee practice or anything outside of just a video on YouTube. And so that's... Man, I hope that's the case. You know, no offense to Taven Jackson, (laughs) but but I I hope it was so apparent that Nico Almaliava is that dude that he felt he needed to transfer. That Taven felt he needed to transfer because it was just so clear that that Nico is going to be that guy. Uh, I hope it, but because what it could be, it could be that the coaches think that Nico is that guy, and Taven thought he had absolutely no chance. And that it's still up in the well, air whether he he will or will not be that guy. Obviously, things change when the lights actually come on and you have to go play SEC football. I mean, we we kind of know. Dot Dobbs, bad practice, was a baller on on the field. You know that doesn't practice doesn't mean any anything at the end of the day in terms of wins and losses. But you know. I I hope it's because Nico's that good, please.
1: I mean, it it, it kind of has to be. I mean, cause Taven was still the staff's guy. Like that's the first quarterback that they kind of recruited from high school. I know they went and got Joe Milton from Michigan because they felt like they needed, you know, somebody else in that room for competition, which should tell you how they're gonna view this situation. If they felt like they needed Milton when they had what they had Brian Maurer, I think Shrout had already transferred by then, but they still had Harrison Bailey. At had Hendon Hooker. They had Caden Salter still at the time. That was before he had been kicked off the team. So they brought in Milton. That was their fifth quarterback that they had, scholarship quarterback on the roster. So based on that, I don't think they go into this season with just two. So I think Taven, you know, he could have competed for the job and maybe had a chance to win because he's, he's a very talented kid. I think just the fact that he, he knows that they're going to lean towards Milton. They did in 2021. And then you have Nico who – I'm almost to the point with Nico where I'm like pinching myself. Is it is it too good to be true? Because the talent's there, the the accuracy, the big arm, the ability to move. He's, he's tougher than you would think if you watch his high school highlights. He's not afraid of contact. Then you listen to this kid talk.
0: Yeah, I got it. I got it queued up.
1: He sounds as mature as some NFL quarterbacks out there. I mean, just yeah. play it and, and we can listen to it.
0: This is him at the Polynesian bowl yesterday. This it's a, it's a college football recruits. They play in a thing called the Polynesian bowl when they are of Polynesian descent. I think it's all recruits, um, in that world. And this is him doing an interview there. And yeah, I mean, just listen, it's such a great answer. Here we go.
1: Well, you're a competitive kid. I mean, is the goal for you to come in and try to win that job? No. It's been my goal since day one to go I think
0: and compete with you know, whoever's the, the, just the guy. Home.
1: But I also look forward to learning from guys like Joe and Navy um, and uh, guests, man and the whole QB room, man. I think we have a great QB room, and uh, just my first three weeks there was just uh, it just felt good to be a part of, man. Um, nobody has any ego. Uh, I think everybody gets along well and uh yeah man whether whether it's competing for the job or, or backing up job or backing up really. so I look forward to, to learning. Um it'll be freshman year, so I know there'll be a lot of uh more adjustments in, in the college life, but yeah, I look forward to uh you know wherever wherever, wherever that's fun is yeah. Well,
0: is he 18? It it really is like has he surely he's been like trained on media. That's such a great answer. Surely he's been he's like
1: well, he's done. I mean, he's done a ton out. of interviews. Obviously, that's being true. High profile recruit, but even then, you still see a lot. Of, I mean, you see guys go to the NFL that don't really have that kind of awareness and just humility. Everybody's been talking about this kid for almost a year now. Uh, ever since that article came out from the Athletic that suggested that he was the one that made all this money. Look, that's the that's the only real report we have about that eight million dollar NIL deal that came from. Whoever brokered the deal, that end of it, in an interview that they gave, not nothing about that has come from Nico's camp. There hasn't been anything, any ego, nothing. I remember, I don't want to say the player's name, but I remember there was a high-profile recruit that came to Tennessee when when Butch Jones was the head coach, and I remember speaking to his parent. His, you know, one of his parents going into his freshman year about what kind of what they expected and or what they were expecting, you know, from his freshman year and kind of how they thought things would go. And he told me that they were expecting, you know, a basically 50-50 split with with what his position, what he was playing. And I remember that just came across to me as like, no, he's got to go earn that, you know. You don't just get given that because you're a high-profile recruit. You got to go earn it. So going in there and expecting that that's what you're going to get, but that's not a recipe for success at all. And the kid ended up playing well at Tennessee, but I, that, that always stuck with me. And that is not what you get from Nico at all. We saw it the day he arrived at Tennessee when he's making him do push-ups in the locker room and his family's giving him a hard time about it. Like, yeah, yeah make him do those push-ups, make him run, get on him. Like they, they That's kind of how he was raised. So it's not a surprise yeah. that he's this mature, but it's still, yeah, he's 18 years old uh to to name the walk-on quarterbacks and to point them out and to not make assumptions and to say you're you're gonna play your role no matter what that role is, but you're also gonna go compete. I mean that you can't ask for much more in a quarterback. It's so
0: just savvy. That's that's like the right word I think I would use specifically him him pointing out Navy and Gaston. Like he mentions them like as in you know, he's going to learn from them. I mean, obviously, all of the assumptions are he will he will play and that they will be the the walk ons. And we know that, you know, that's how this works. And he still goes out of his way to say that. And it's I mean, yeah, the, that level of humility from a kid that has probably had his butt kissed as an athlete since he was who knows how young, I mean, with these guys, they start getting recruited in freaking middle school. And so it, it really, it's just unreal. I mean, he just seems like in every facet, he just is that guy. Obviously the one facet we have to see to make sure is on the football field in an actual game. That's, yeah. <laughs> But man, I got it's, it's exciting to just see every part of that. Cause he, you know, practice field interviews, Every everything, it seems like he he has it, and so hopefully that translates to the football field. We'll just have to
1: wait and see. But a uh, uh, little, little bit of breaking news, real quick, that we can okay. put, we can officially put to rest the the rumor that should have never ever ever started this off season, the Josh Heupel the Michigan speculation. So the Michigan uh, president has tweeted out that Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan. They've worked out a new contract. Uh, he's not continuing. So I'm saying nobody offered him a job in the NFL because he would have been gone in a heartbeat <laughs> yeah. after two failed off seasons. so that's that's the, what that uh, means. <laughs> the Mike Farrell stuff that was put out there about Hypel and Michigan, uh, we can officially not mention that ever again.
0: Yeah, we can just put that behind us. Uh, congratulations to Michigan. Um, I, that is almost surprising. I really thought he was thought he was gone. Um all right. Let's finish with this. Speaking of all the recruits, all of the recruits were at that basketball game um, this weekend, and it and it was interesting. So I actually had somebody uh, ask me on Twitter if the recruits all seeing that horrific loss from Tennessee um, was bad. You know, did, does that negatively affect recruiting? Of course, my answer was like almost certainly. No, it's not even the sport that they play that doesn't. You know, it just doesn't translate that way. But even it's a great
1: environment, wasn't? Was it? Was it yeah. I mean, it looked like a great environment.
0: Well, and specifically, uh, I forget which player. Like I said, I watched two or two or three of those interviews with the players that were here over the weekend, the recruits that were here, um, and and one of them specifically mentioned how how loud and crazy the the crowd was and how that was really impressive. He said that he had never seen an environment like that. Which I remembered exactly which one it, it was. If it was
1: that makes me uh, think of you know when Nico came for the basketball game last yeah. year and they were chanting his name and how big of an impression that made on them. I can't and can't tell and you one if of Tennessee one Lord lost that game.
0: I I think it was the same kid. I need to go back. I didn't know which one it was. I should have, but I think it was the same kid who mentioned at the basketball game he got stopped and asked for pictures multiple times and he was like that was really cool. Like the fans like know me here already and I'm not even here. So no, I, I, don't think that that matter. and, and almost all of the time, they don't even stay like for the whole game. They, they sort of go, Hey, here it is. Isn't this cool? It's a great environment. All right. It's halftime. Let's bounce. Hypo was there. He got a huge, he got a big ovation and everyone was freaking out when they showed him on the jumbotron. That was fun. Uh, and, but that, that behind us, I don't think that it's going to have a big impact on the recruitment of any of those kids. No, let's was- talk about the actual basketball game.
1: <sighs> hmm.
0: Tennessee comes in ranked number five. Kentucky comes in after losing to South Carolina in Rupp Arena, uh, a South Carolina team that Tennessee beat by 43. Uh, It was the largest loss in the history of South Carolina's arena. Um, (laughs) And Tennessee just went out there, and they laid such a stinker, dude. Just a monumental egg. Oh, God. It was so brutal. Started out on an 8-0 lead. And then Rick made this mass substitution that is still totally inexplicable to me. I don't know why he did it makes a mass substitution. And it was all downhill from there. Kentucky immediately went on an eight Oh run, tied it up at eight, eight. I think they even got up like 10, eight at one point. Um, and it just, God, it was so annoying the whole time. And let me just explain this out. Like I said, a lot of people liked this tweet and a lot of people said that they are Agreed, but when I said it was one of the worst losses of Rick Barnes' time in Knoxville, here's my rationale there Rick Barnes hasn't lost that much in Knoxville. I mean, when he has a season like this one, it's going to end up only being five, six, seven losses, um, in any given season. And a lot of the time, the losses it, it'll be like at Alabama, it's a really tough place to win. Alabama's a really good basketball team. If Alabama goes out there and they play a good game and Tennessee plays hard and keeps it close and you still lose, I look at that and I go like, you know what? That's basketball. Exactly. It's a tough place to win. This was an absolutely reeling Kentucky team and a Kentucky team that you should be getting up for this game every single time you play. I mean, it's Tennessee's biggest rival in basketball, period. Again, I, I always say Kentucky fans would never admit that, but that's the absolute truth, and they know it. They know it in their heart. That's the case like Tennessee
1: just has their Whoa. number and the victory laps that they were doing after that win kind of proves it
0: and and let me say this and this was the most frustrating thing about it Kentucky didn't play good in that game that's what killed me the most. they shot like thirty five percent from the field Oscar Shibway didn't have a huge game he he's he scored a decent amount and he had like 13 rebounds but yeah, that's, like
1: that's his he, that's a normal game yeah
0: for him in this like they really like if I'm Kentucky I'm not feeling overjoyed about the way they played in that game they played with a lot of heart and they played with a lot of grit I'll give them that but they still kind of stunk <laughs> in big portions of yeah that game.
1: the team's not and, great but I think we kind of yeah. knew they were going to play with heart and grit after Shuiwei's comments last sure. week about wanting his team to fight I mean when that stuck with me when he said just put a walk-in in or something somebody that will fight like if if you're a college basketball player and you're a five-star recruit I mean it means something to you to play basketball you, you wanted to play in the NBA, and Kentucky's got a lot of talent. Somebody – our best player says, put a walk on in. I just, Anybody. Like, if that doesn't get your attention, I mean, what will? So, I had a feeling it was either going to be – Tennessee blows them out by 40, like they did South Carolina, and it's just an embarrassing loss for Kentucky, or Kentucky gets kind of gets their act together and plays like they have some heart. And, you know, that's the way it went.
0: Yeah, they – I mean, I would say I expected – Kentucky to come in with some fire it's the Tennessee game at Tennessee and you're coming off one of the worst losses of the Cal era at Kentucky if not honestly if not the worst ever I mean that that South Carolina team is horrendous um and and they come into this game and I expected fight from Kentucky and and I'll go back to what I just said about like if you go to Alabama and you lose that's I'm not I'm not shedding a bunch of tears over that but Kentucky played a game where Tennessee should have beat them by 15. I mean, it just wasn't over the top good. Tennessee had to play so poorly to lose this game. And in such an egregious way that it was, it was hard to wrap my mind around. They shot 14% from three. That's so bad. Missed five wide open layups. It might've been more layups than just that, but five wide open. Like than I recall off my head. And and right, right there, you make you make those five. You lost by eight, if, if I'm thinking correctly, you win. Five layups is ten points. <laughs> <Seven>. <laughs> if you I make
1: lost, lost by seven, so yeah. Lost by seven,
0: yeah. So you win by three worst case scenario. If you just make your layups, the threes weren't falling, which in, in a lot of games is kind of to be expected. Well, then you, you look inside and you go to Olivier Kamwa, was awful in this game. The the lack of pride in rebounding in this game, they got out rebounded by 20 and this is the this Tennessee team came into this game leading the SEC in rebound margin. They were the number one team in the league in rebound margin, and they stunk it up on the boards and just let Kentucky get anything they wanted. They had uh, so many offensive rebounds, so many second chances, all these things. Like Tennessee just had to play so poorly, going out and playing bad in any given game in in a college basketball season is not unexpected. It happens to everybody multiple times a year. This was a true, just, look, just vomiting on themselves. Like, and nobody showed up except for Euros splashes but even Euros Plashers didn't show up on the boards. Scored 19 points, but only got three rebounds. I love that Euros had that big game, and I wish that it could have come in a win so that we could have celebrated it for what it was. But God almighty, it was so bad. And that is all why I call it one of the worst losses of the Rick Barnes era at Tennessee. Because it was unbelievably egregious. I'm not throwing the season out. Tennessee is still one of the best teams in America. Period. Rick Barnes is still a solid basketball coach, even though he made some very questionable substituting decisions in that game. But that game was above and beyond bad. I'm like... I you know it it felt it felt similar to that South Carolina game in in football it it did where you just went how how are we even doing this how is it like this <laughs> like it just was oh and so may, hopefully that helps folks that thought that I was being hyperbolic I obviously I one hundred percent believe I was not being hyperbolic at all I think it was just really terrible it was a terrible game
1: yeah it's funny you bring up the South Carolina loss because I I texted you. Or in that in that game, I was like, man, this you know feels like the South Carolina game or something. And you're like, yeah, we're it's fine, we're going to win this game. I was like, yeah, that's what you said during the South Carolina football game. Well, and it uh, felt, it, so, yeah, it felt like a game. Tennessee's going to get it together. It did this game. It, so to, it to that point, did.
0: I mean, in in the second half, Tennessee's down at the half, and it was just gross. And I was just like, ah, eh, just go and yell at them in the locker room and get their yeah, head yeah. straight, and they'll they'll still pull this out. We're in Thompson Bowling Arena. It's okay. And then they they come out and they get a lead back. They got a two-point lead. And this play stuck out to me in a big way. Uh, so I'm actually I'm glad that you said that because I meant to mention it and I didn't. They get a two-point lead. They go down and they make a stop. And you go, all right, here we go. This is the start. They're going to start you know, this is going to be the beginning of a nice run. And then they get a 10 point lead. And then that's the end of the game, you know, and I just, and then you shrug it off. You say, yeah, it was a bad performance, but Hey, we still got the win." And then you move on with your life. That's what I thought was about to happen. They go down and Santiago Vescovi puts up this ill-advised three. He was trying, the energy was really building up. He wanted to take the top off the place. Mm -hmm. He wanted Thompson bowling to explode. And so he put up, a. And he, man, they had numbers, and he put up this three pointer that bricked, and everybody was like, "Oh!" And it just—I hate—I
1: hate, I hate transition threes. I mean, when they fall, the out of the place. when they fall, it is incredible. But I'm kind of risk adverse, <sighs> so take the sure points. Uh, to me, the play that really, the sequence that I felt like lost the game also involved Vesey, and he missed the front end of that one yes. and one, and then they go down. Topping gets fouled, and he makes the first one, misses the second one, and Kentucky gets the rebound, puts it back. You go probably down 53-52 to 56-50 with, you know, three three minutes ago in the game. Like, that was such a pivotal point in the game to me that was very, very frustrating.
0: Huge, huge huge swing i mean mr jones says it here speaking of free throws 10 free throws for tennessee to 25 for kentucky and kentucky i think went like 23 for 25 like they really were good from the line and just really had they like they came in and they they, they didn't play bad they didn't play great they just played they played like a pretty decent basketball game i think
1: Well, 63 points is not playing great by any means yeah no yeah.
0: like like tennessee's defense held them down more than enough to win this game. Like I said, Kentucky played at a level where Tennessee near the top end of its ability beats them by 15. And, you know, Tennessee played pretty decent defense the whole time. Kentucky never had any of these huge runs or anything spectacular. You just couldn't score the basketball. And it was hard to watch. I mean, like, uh, Zakai Ziegler played terrible a Adu was getting pushed around. That was tough to watch. He was getting pushed around and getting taken totally out of position for rebounds. That was hard to watch. And, and like I said, Eurosh, as good as he was on the offensive end, he just didn't show up rebounding a basketball on the other end. They they played good, good defense. But, I mean, on the offensive side, I went back and looked. Kentucky was ranked 65th in adjusted defense uh, on Kimpom Tennessee's number one. Tennessee is even after that game, I believe Tennessee is still number one, but Kentucky came in 65th and you could only put up what 50 some odd points. I mean, it just brutal. Like what the hell, man? Like it really was just bad. Now I say all of that, that it really is just an explainer for why I said what I said. And it was kind of controversial that, you know, that tweet people didn't love a lot of people agreed. And then some other people didn't like it, like like Kyler Kerbison, apparently. (laughs) Um, he called me dumb. That was fun, um, but uh, the where where does this leave us going forward? You know, there were definitely some people that were like, "Oh, the wheels are falling off." Rick's already in March form. Blah blah blah. blah. I'm, you know, you're not going to get that out of me. It's it is basketball. Sometimes you go out there and you just really stink it up, and it happens sometimes. But what I want to see really is for them to take this and actually have it kind of turn a light on and go like, Hey, we don't have a go-to score. Who is that person specifically? I mean, I want to see it with the young guys um, because it's like, you're just not getting with how deep this team is. You're not getting the contribution that you need uh, from people beyond the the stars and even some of the like in that game like Josiah Jordan James was just I mean he took put up a bunch of threes missed most of them like it just so do they take that and go like we have to find that guy we have to find this offense we have to figure this out and it's like a wake-up call I hope so I hope that's the case will it actually be the case I don't know we'll see if they can answer the call
1: two straight road games coming up
0: yeah, and not easy ones. I mean, you, yeah, you beat Mississippi State by 40 the other night, but this is in Starkville. Mississippi State is not a, a bad team per se. Um they're not a they're not a good team. But uh yeah, I mean that's going to be a serious test and can they go in in there and win that game when they need to? I think they will. Of course, I thought they were <laughs> going to beat Kentucky. And, you know, here we are. But it, it just Man, I, like, so, somebody wake up. And, like, the, the name that I really go to, and it's just so hard because he's a freshman. I mean, Julian Phillips, man. Hello, somebody. You got to do I, Let me look. What was his actual line in that game? Two points, three rebounds, and four personal fouls. He had more personal fouls than he had points and rebounds. Come on, dog. Like, you got to, dude. Five-star guy.
1: Yeah, it's the time of year when it, you got to start yeah. turning it on.
0: I mean, this this was when, it was around this time last year when Kennedy Chandler really mm-hmm. started turning on those afterburners. And he, down the stretch, was playing some of the best basketball in America. I Julian Phillips is not that guy. He's not as good as Kennedy Chandler at the game of basketball. And I don't think he will be. Um, But, I mean, you're in the starting lineup. <laughs> like, come on. And you're in the starting lineup for a reason. We know that the ability is in there. Let's go. Like there's gotta be something here that you can turn on because if all of the pieces work in tandem and work well, this is arguably the best team in America, at least in terms of depth and the multiplicity of ways that they can they can hit you. Um, I mean, just the when the when the offense clicks can and paired with that crushing defense that they play almost every night. I mean, it is – it's a very, very good basketball team, but they got to – you got to find that consistency. You have to.
1: Oh, yeah. When, when everything clicks, I mean, they, they can win a championship without a doubt with that defense. But uh, one thing I think people need to know, did you have any, like, bad or uh, any notable interactions with Kentucky fans at this game? Because we know your no. history. We know your history uh, down in – was it? Down in Tampa – last year with the pom-pom
0: There so first of all, there weren't many there. There was honestly like barely any. There were a couple um a little over from us, but that it was it was too far away to like interact with. Um but there were barely any there. Like there were so few Kentucky fans. It was the least amount of Kentucky fans I've ever seen for a game in Thompson Bowling Arena during the during the Barnes era at least. Yeah. Um and like they won the game, and there wasn't so when that's happened in the past, I've been there when Kentucky's won. It ha- it hasn't happened a lot, but I have been there. You get the C A T S oh, and uh, all of that stuff. They didn't even do that. There like wasn't enough Kentucky fans to work wow. in concert for that. And so no, I really didn't because there just weren't that many there. It was pretty crazy. Like there, and like I said, I if, if they're being really honest with themselves. That game was not some true awakening. They didn't go out there and run Tennessee off the floor and welcome back Kentucky basketball. Like, it wasn't anything like that. They just played a really hard-nosed game and Tennessee had a horrific day and and they capitalized on that horrific day and, and you know, credit to them. Um, but I, you know, I still think there's even a possibility, possibility where in terms of how these teams match up, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee goes in and wins in Rupp by 10. Like oh, that yeah. wouldn't be a crazy outcome. I think Tennessee is more than good enough to do that, but they have to go out there and they have to do that. They have to find that gear, and and go and execute. Will they do it? We'll see. You know, <laughs> that's it's it's up to them and Barnes. So, and that's, I think up. that's the, the bulk of it for me with the basketball game. Did you have anything?
1: No, just Kentucky gets gets Georgia at home, so they kind of get like they can build a little momentum here by by winning that game and like they've got talent like i don't know what the deal is with them really i mean it's not like i watch a ton of kentucky basketball but i don't understand why they're so bad
0: i actually think this is an interesting element in that game severe wheeler was hurt and sat out he's their starting point guard he is all over the place like just really not a great basketball player um he can be great he was like a five-star highly touted guy but he last year and then he stayed because he just didn't have the year that he wanted but he turns a ball over a lot and he's really sporadic and he's all over the place I honestly think that helped Kentucky him being out I think they should think about that when he comes back and is able to play because I think the them running a more like the it just wasn't uh Like it was just a a real traditional game they played. They just more half court
1: sets type deal. Yeah.
0: They and they. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, what really happened in that game is that they beat Tennessee at their own game. Like that really was like that's the type of stuff Tennessee tries to beat you with, and typically does beat most teams with. Um, And Kentucky went and did sort of the same thing, and with severe Wheeler, I think it or without severe Wheeler, I think it worked better. So is this is this sort of like when? Going back to South Carolina when they had uh, you know, whoever out in that game, um, and they totally changed the offense against Tennessee and then suddenly it worked. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a similar
1: situation. Yeah. And it worked from the next week against Clemson, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know. Did you did you I guess we can go back to this real quick because this is gonna be a huge game next year. It's kind of early in the season, September, when South Carolina comes to Neyland. You know Josh Heipel, like we've talked about it all season, how he kind of has that pettiness about him, and you know he he wants to beat them by more than South Carolina beat Tennessee last season. Did you see Spencer Rattler's, like, re- return or announcement that he's returning for another season? I mean, we all knew yes. he was going to. Like, get that right. There's two things. We need to talk about this real quick, too, because the video I tweeted out and, and Georgia fans, like, we need to have a quick conversation about Georgia fans because they're the most – Buffer band called football right now. There is an no fan, at least on social media, there's no fan base like them that you tweet something about Georgia or not even about Georgia, it's about Tennessee, and they come out of nowhere. And I tweeted that video of Kirby Smart, you know, doing the one, two, and then the three right after they beat TCU. Like we're going for a three P, right? And I tweet, I was like, look, Tennessee should be playing this in their facility for the next 12 months. They should be playing that Spencer Rattler video in their facility for the next 12 months. Like, it's Kirby Smart's out there just making up lies that people said that they weren't going to go to the playoff. I mean, he said at their victory celebration, nobody predicted us to make the playoff. And the Georgia (laughs) beat writer for The Athletic tweeted out the article article where seven – of the athletics college football writers picked Georgia to make the playoffs, so it's just <laughs> completely made up. He's talking Let's about going it. seven and five. I had all these. I mean, if you go look at that, go find that tweet on, on my Twitter account, it's just search Georgia, Tennessee, whatever it'll pop up. All the like 80% of the replies are Georgia fans talking trash, like Tennessee, you know, like I'm calling like predicting that Tennessee is going to beat Georgia or something next year which I clearly I'm not. Like it's not just Tennessee that should be playing this, every team in the SEC should be playing it. They should you go out and you compete for a championship. I don't care if you're Vanderbilt or you're Tennessee, how realistic you think it is or isn't. If you don't have that mindset, you stand no chance to to win games and compete and that's all I was saying. Like use that as motivation. Everybody should want to knock Georgia off it. Really it's a compliment to Georgia in in I, a way.
0: I still really I think to some extent, Georgia fans have a pretty good dose of like imposter syndrome still. It's like this, it came on so quickly with all of this that they're like, oh, are, is this really how we are? Okay. All right. Let's, we're going to beat our chest and we're going to do the whole thing. And we're, and, and also, I, I think it doesn't help that they sort of stink at every other sport. They're not good at baseball, not good at basketball. And so, like, they don't, they don't have the bravado there. And and they never really have been good at either of those sports. Like football is a thing that they fully hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it's almost like, and they were just so mediocre for so long that it almost feels like they like don't know how to have pride, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know if that's
1: the exact way to say it. Like, but like it nobody's taking shots at Georgia. The no. only thing, <laughs> and I haven't even really said, like after they beat, Really into this year. I don't think I've said it much at all. I did last year at times, talked about how Kirby isn't a great in-game coach, or he's not just this great football coach. Like he's not a savant, like like some guy like Heupel, for example, who really, you know, is the X's and O's there. He's just got the best players. He's got the biggest, the fastest players. Like it's hard not to win when you have that kind of talent. And, and Kirby's a, obviously a good coach because he has them all motivated and, and moving in the right direction. I don't think he's going to take a mediocre team with talent and do I mean, he took a team with mediocre talent and lost to Butch Jones, right? I mean, that was a 10-win team the previous year, and Kirby lost to Butch Jones. So, it's, you know, he has that in him. But nobody's taking shots at Georgia. Like, nobody's out there like, oh, they're fraudulent or they should, you know, they're not that good. They got lucky. Uh, there's not really any of that out there. Uh, I don't know why they're taking it so personal that teams like want to want to come beat them now like yeah like that's that's the goal you've won back-to-back championships everybody wants to knock you off i I don't understand that
0: with how pillowy soft their schedule is next year we i have already had this is their
1: hardest game
0: yeah i've had fans from other teams going like please you're our only hope like you have to beat them (laughs) Because that's the only you're the only team yeah that until the SEC championship game, where it might be Alabama or something like that, like Tennessee is it in terms of who could possibly beat them next year. And yeah, like I don't know. Like, you, you can can't even have a lot of like, different ways, but
1: it's just they're fan base. You can't even have like reasonable conversations with them. They're like you would, I imagine these conversations would be completely different in person. Like you'd have a nice football conversation about what works, what doesn't work, you know, just like normal people do But on social media. It's just like, they're, they're just coming at you, just screaming, yelling for no reason. They don't even know what they're yelling about, what they're pissed off about. Like there's, there's nothing here. That's slight against Georgia. Just stop. Just, just enjoy your win and move on. I,
0: I have cordial interactions with almost every other fan base at least a couple of people yeah. kentucky alabama vandy there's a couple out there you know in all of those but georgia man they are just it's if those if solid amicable georgia fans exist on social media i haven't seen them i genuinely i like i don't know not none that i think of off the top of my head out of people that i interact with on twitter but you're i i do know a couple in actual real life who are
1: yeah I, yeah i know georgia people in real life. I have, yeah <laughs> yeah I have some it's, weird. Georgia it's fans weird and they're they're great you know they're just like and that's the whole thing with social media of course but it has it is noticeable with them uh at, at this point yeah
0: i don't i don't know uh get it together georgia fans but that lord knows that falls on deaf ears all right i am charlie burris that is Zach Reagan thank you so much to everybody for listening for tuning in for uh, for hanging out in the comments and and giving us plenty of stuff to talk about and interact with uh, we really really appreciate you tuning in every week so many we're getting more more and more sort of loyal people tuning in every week it's awesome we really appreciate it I want you to know that um, I'm gonna try to go this week and not have uh, an apparent beef with another uh, Tennessee podcaster I don't I didn't mean to. Sorry to everyone involved. Uh, I'll do my best to not get involved in that again. But I think that's that's it. Uh, YouTube, subscribe there. Follow us on the social medias. If you're here, you know where to. I mean, you're here, you know where to find this stuff. Uh, we're gonna do a midweek segment, potentially, potentially a guest. We're not sure. I think, Potent- I think we,
1: I think we, I think we have a guest lined up for Wednesday. Charlie does not really know about this fully yet we'll have to iron out the details once we finish Sweet. all right so I've, I've got it i've got an email here so
0: excellent well so maybe a guest later this week so watch out for that on the a to z sports nashville youtube channel subscribe there so that you don't miss it um and yeah we'll talk to y'all then
1: see you guys later, later.